morning, South Oaks Church. I'm so glad you're here today as we continue and finish our series, Great Stories. As Pastor Steve mentioned, this is our last week in this series, and we're finishing strong today. We've covered many topics in this series, but the theme through all of it has really been uh, to understand all that God has for us through Jesus Christ. Think of it, love, protection, deliverance, forgiveness, and so much more. And next week, we begin that series, uh, the Feast of the Lord, looking at the festivals in the Old Testament and how Jesus is then the fulfillment in the New Testament. So uh, we will be beginning that next week. And today, as we finish this series, we're looking at your calling, your calling. So a group question here, what do you think of, what does that mean to you when I say your calling? Your purpose? What God wants you to do? Your reason to be here. Your reason to be here, yeah, all the really great answers, guys. Um, your calling is who you were created to be, uh, the gifts and abilities and the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, God's voice to you, to lead you into the thing that you were meant to do. And a calling, um, I know is sometimes when I was growing up, people used to talk about those who were called, like they were a select separate group from the rest of us. And um, <laughs> it's really much more than that, isn't it? I mean, it's what God shows all of us to do with our lives. Uh, teachers, being a teacher is a calling. Being an accountant's a calling. Lawyers, doctors, sales reps, counselors, Wherever God has placed you, whatever you are doing in your life, what, if you are doing what God has called you to do, doing what God has put on your heart to do, that if, and, and you feel like this is what I was born to do, that is most likely your calling. And so let's read about uh, a person in the Bible who received the call of God on his life. If you would turn in Jeremiah chapter 1, and that's after Isaiah, which is uh, kind of, you know, a few books after Psalms. So it's just past the middle of your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 1. Okay, so the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the th uh, territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Israel went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I'm with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. 
The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I am about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdoms, declared the Lord. The kings, their kings will come and set up their thrones in the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem. They will come against all her surrounding walls and against all the towns of Judah. I will pronounce my judgments on my people because of their wickedness in forsaking me in burning incense to other gods, and in worshiping what their hands have made. Get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them whatever I command you. Do not be terrified by them, or I will terrify you before them. Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Lord, thank you for this passage of scripture. We pray, Father, that we would really get everything out of it that you have for us this morning. Lord God, I pray that your word would go forth in power and in might and accomplish what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's going on at this time? If we looked at that first few verses, uh, we see that it's the final days of Judah before the captivity of the Jewish people. When you look at a timeline of uh, the end of Judah, you see there's just a few kings there, Josiah and a few more. And this is at the time of Josiah is when this word comes to Jeremiah. And what's interesting is Jeremiah is born into this really unique time where there's this power shift happening between Assyria and Babylon and then later the fall of Jerusalem. And God tells him that he's chosen him to be a mouthpiece, a spokesman for him to speak the word of the Lord. And this first chapter is during the reign of Josiah. This was a righteous king who would lead the country in restoring the temple in Jerusalem, who would bring the book of the law, the scriptures back. They'd been hidden away in the ruins of the temple and he brought them back for the people. And for a time there was a righteousness again. If we look at the times listed here when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, when, when this time in these few verses is, it's about 45 years. So for about 45 years, God used Jeremiah to speak his word to the people. And uh, Jeremiah, it tells us, is from a priest's family. At the time of Jeremiah, the priests were mostly charged with teaching the people. And they instructed them in the meaning of the Torah, in the meaning of the scriptures, and in the traditions that were handed down through the generations, the things that the people of God would do. And his father, Hilkiah, would have raised him to love the Lord God and to love the word of the Lord. They're from this little town called Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. And this town is mentioned only a couple other times in scripture in the Old Testament. In 2 Samuel 23, 27, it tells us that Abiezer was from Anathoth. And Abiezer was one of King David's mighty men. So there's some really good people from this town. This is one of those men of valor that, that David had of his fighting men. And then in 1 Kings 2, 26, it says to Abiathar, a different guy, the priest, the king said, who was King Solomon, go back to your fields in Anathoth. So he sent someone there, which probably meant that Solomon, when he banished Abiathar to Anathoth, he banished him to a town that he thought would do some good for this man. A town with a history in the leadership of the nation. So Anathoth, where is it? It's about three miles north of Jerusalem. So it's 
question is actually pretty key here to what God is wanting to do through Jeremiah. In French, we say he's bien placé. He's well placed. Uh, so God places us in specific places. Each of us are bien placé to accomplish what God's will is through us. And uh, it says even in Acts 17, Paul was writing and said, From one man, he, God, made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. So what that's telling us is that God has you in this time for a specific purpose. He has appointed you to be in this time. It's like Esther, for such a time as this, you are appointed to be in this time. And the place you live, you're appointed to be here in Minnesota. I know it seems odd, but he's appointed us all to be here. And so because of that, God has placed us in, in just the right place to accomplish what he wants to through us in our lives. So the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This tells us is that he has this tender He has spiritual ears open to hear from God. Being raised in a family where the word of God was treasured, where hearing from God was expected, prepared Jeremiah to be receptive to hear from God here. And then when the Lord speaks to Jeremiah, it doesn't say he goes, who's that? <laughs> he knows it's God. He's heard from God before maybe on littler things, but the big thing, and he says, oh, and he receives it and responds to God. God tells him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God's telling Jeremiah that he's created by God and that the Lord had known him even before he was conceived. He actually formed him in the womb. It's kind of like that psalm that King David wrote some 350 years earlier. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16 says, For you created me, my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Sounds a lot alike, doesn't it? I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, Lord God, saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Just like Jeremiah, just like David, God created you. He put you together just how he wanted you to be. You are made. Uh, you have a purpose. Your very life was designed by God even before you were born. And God tells Jeremiah, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And you and I are also set apart for a specific purpose. Uh, we're each appointed to something special. And when we do that, we glorify God with our lives. To reach people is one of the other things, to reach people for the Lord wherever we live. Our lives are like a lighthouse in a dark world, showing people the way to know God. The Apostle Paul says something a little bit similar to this too in Galatians. Galatians 1:15 and 16, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace. We have all been called by God's grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so I might preach him among the Gentiles. So he says his immediate response wasn't to consult with any human being. He spent that time getting to know God. And Paul knew that God had set him apart. And God showed him that his purpose was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. 
The call of God, speaking the word of the Lord, and doing his will is for all of us, wherever he has placed us to be. Ephesians 1.4 talks about that for us. It says, for he chose us in him for the creation of the world to be blameless in his sight. Even before God created the world, did you know you were chosen? How awesome is that? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So before the creation of the world, these good works that God has prepared for all of us to do, there's things that we get to do that God knew about before he first made the world. Before you were born, all of it, God knew and had planned ahead. God says that Jeremiah, Jeremiah has been appointed. And what that means is that he's been ordained, set apart. And he says, as a prophet, as a spokesman to the nations. And when Jeremiah responds to this, at first he says, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. How can I be a spokesman? I'm too young. That's a big job. I don't think I can do that. I might just be too young for this responsibility. And we sometimes do that too, don't we? We say, you know what, maybe I can't do that. I'm either too young, which, you know, probably not many of us would say that here. But maybe we say we're too old or too shy or not educated enough or some other reason why we say, Lord, I can't do that. And that whatever we think makes us unable to fulfill what God is calling us to. It could possibly be that this call to Jeremiah actually did come when he was really young. Uh, or it could just be kind of the thing he thought of. I don't know, maybe he thought all the prophets were really old guys. And uh, he couldn't do it. But we can see how God has prepared each of us. When we look back over our lives, when we look back at the things that have happened, we can see how God has been moving in our life, preparing us to do what we, he has called us to do at this moment. Andrew White who is the vicar of Baghdad, Baghdad, Iran, or Iraq rather, wrote in his book, The Glory Zone in the War Zone. Kind of an interesting title, isn't it? Glory Zone in the War Zone. And he says, I'm sure that all of us can look back and see how the seeds of future commissioning were already planted, cultivated, and nurtured in our early years of development. God often prepares us in our youth for the divine pathways of our future. Jeremiah's statements about his inability to answer God's call were contrary to what God wanted for him. If God asks you to do something, he will enable you to do it. You aren't out there on your own. God's telling him as he goes on here, as he receives what God has, God tells him more and more about what the plan is. He says, no, don't talk like that. Don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone that I send you to. You must say what I tell you to say. Don't be afraid. I'm with you and will rescue you. I will deliver you. That's true for each of us, too. We need to go where God shows us to go. We need to speak what puts on our heart to speak, and we need to know that we can be strong in him. These words are like the words that God spoke to Joshua. In Joshua 1.9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. We don't want to live in 
We'd want to live in the strength of the Lord. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I kind of feel like right now with where the world's at, with what's going on around us, we need to print that out and stick it on our mirror so every morning we can say, you know what, today I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be courageous. I'm not afraid and I'm not going to be discouraged because the Lord my God is with me wherever I go. And then, just in case Jeremiah was a little apprehensive still about doing it, God reaches out his hand and he touches his mouth. And it says, I put my words in your mouth, he tells him. Today I point you over nations and kingdoms. This was a big thing he was calling him to do. And in the Hebrew Bible, the outstretched hand of God symbolizes power. His hand, his arm are not too short to accomplish his will. The hand of the Lord was a symbol of power. And so the touch of the Lord empowered him to speak that word that was put in his mouth. And it also purified him to be able to do what God was calling him to. It's kind of like when God called the prophet Isaiah. He also touched Isaiah's mouth. Isaiah 6, 6 through 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. The coal here is from the altar of God in heaven. And this was also purifying as Isaiah was asked to bring the word of the Lord to the people. And when God, back in Jeremiah here, when God tells Jeremiah he's called to be a prophet, the Hebrew word for prophet here is nabi. Nabi literally means to bubble up, stirred up in the spirit. And with this sense of bubbling up, when it's applied to speaking, it becomes to declare. And so Nabi, or a prophet, announces or pours forth the declarations of God. And this is what Jeremiah tells us about in Jeremiah 20, what it felt like to him. Jeremiah 20, verse 9 says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more his name, his word in my heart is like a fire, a fire shut up in his bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. It's bubbling up, burning like a fire inside of Jeremiah, wanting to be declared. The word of God needs to be proclaimed. And Jeremiah says, I can't hold it in. I've got to speak it. He was a Nabi prophet, bubbling up. There's also a seer prophet, which we read about in the word, on the other hand. And this is a person who mostly moves with uh, seeing visions and dreams, not as deep into the things of the uh, speaking of, the, of God to them as the Nabi prophet. Not that they can't, but just a little bit different function. In Numbers 12:6, it says, He said, listen to my words when there's a prophet among you. I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I this is the seer prophet. 2 Samuel 23, 2 says, The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. This is how God speaks through people, his prophets. And God tells Jeremiah then what his ministry will look like, what he's being called to do, his ministry as the Nabi prophet. In verse 10 it says, He will speak the word to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow to build and to plant by the declarations of the Lord God. God would use Jeremiah 
to proclaim and decree his will over the nations. Some would be uprooted and torn down, some destroyed or overthrown, and other nations would be built up and planted as God proclaimed, as the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of God moved on Jeremiah to speak it. And then in verse 11, and we don't know if this is a long time later or if it happened all at, the, at once, but God spoke to him and said, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, well, I see the branch of an almond tree. God says, yes, you've seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. It's an interesting thing here that we really don't see in the English, but if we look back in the Hebrew, it's, it's really pretty, pretty cool what God does here. Though say, the word for almond tree or branch is used here, that Hebrew word is shakade, which has the same consonants as the Hebrew verb to watch where God says he's watching to see his word is fulfilled. To watch, to be wakeful is shakad. Shakad, shakad. So the almond branch, shakad, is there because God is watching. Shakad, to see that his word is fulfilled. And this play on words, why would he have done it? Because it would have made a greater impact on Jeremiah about what God was telling him. It would be training him to understand the way the Spirit of God spoke to him. Almond trees also were the first trees in that area to bloom in the spring. And there would have been many of such trees in that region of Anathoth. The image of the almond tree would have reminded him of the imminent fulfilling of God's message every time he gave it to him to speak. The word of the Lord came to him again then in verse 13. Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see a boiling pot uh, tilting away from the north. And God's showing him here again, what does this mean? Anytime we have an image and then the word, we're going to remember that more. And when God speaks to us and shows us something and then confirms it with his word, we're going to remember it more. And the pot was tilting away from the north, indicating danger in the north. And that's where Babylon was. And so what this is... This disaster that he's telling him is going to be poured out on the land. This is a warning to the people of Judah. This is a warning. And God is about to summon all the people of the northern kingdoms, he tells them. Assyria, Babylon, all of these northern kingdoms. And he says in verse 15 that the invading kings will set up their thrones in the gates of Jerusalem. And the gates are where the leaders sat and discussed cases of law. Judicial decisions were rendered in the gates. Legal issues of many people were settled. And in fact, the kings of Judah also carried out many of their public duties in the gates. So when we read that entire book of Jeremiah, it's a pretty long one, but if you read the whole one, you see fulfillment of some of these early words that God gave to Jeremiah being played out. Uh, in Jeremiah 39, 1-3, it says, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, so this is at the end of that 45 years, in the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, marched against Jerusalem with his whole army and laid siege to it. And on the ninth day of the fourth month of Zedekiah's eleventh year, the city wall was broken through. Then all the officials of the king of Babylon came and took seats in the middle gate. So here we have the fulfillment of the word of prophecy. So, question for everyone. Why did God allow this to happen to Judah? 
Judgment for sin. Yeah, because they refused to turn back to God. Uh, verse 16 tells us, God says, because of the people's wickedness and forsaking God. They burned incense to other gods. They served other gods. They worshipped what their hands had made. And Israel and Judah both allowed themselves to be taken into this sinful way. Um, it makes us a little bit somber thinking about our nation today. When we look at this and compare it to what's going on in the nation, we are living much the same way, aren't we? Many people have forsaken God. They're worshiping other things and not God. And other religions, other philosophies, they're not worshiping the one true God. They've, we've made idols of things in our lives. Uh, we worship what we have or what we've made. Finances, belongings, sports, celebrities. We need to repent on behalf of ourselves and our nation because we're coming dangerously close to that sinfulness of the nation of Israel before God allowed them to be overtaken by another power. God told Jeremiah, get ready. Stand up. Say what I've commanded you to say. And he promised that he would make him strong to do it. He says in verse 18, Today I have made you a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall. These metaphors all describe strength, don't they? Uh, they speak of God's protection for him from those who would come against him, that God would make him strong. And this trifecta of strength from God, when we're doing the will of God, we that for us as well. When I'm doing the will of God, when you're doing the will of God, we can say, Lord, make me like a fortified city. Make me like a iron pillar in a bronze wall. Help me to stand up for what is right and speak the truth of God's word. And as the Holy Spirit leads us, we follow what he has given us to do. The leaders and the people of Judah, uh, God told Jeremiah, they're going to fight against you. Because that's not a really great message, is it? To tell people you're going to be judged. Kings are going to invade. They're not going to like that. They're going to fight against you. But they won't overcome you. For I am with you. And I will rescue you. This is the awesome part of God's call for each of us today. That when we follow him and when we do his will, we don't need to fear. Because he says this to us as well. I am with you. The great Jehovah, the almighty God, is with us and will deliver us. So how do you and I fulfill our call? The answer is in what God tells Jeremiah to do. What he encourages him to be. To fulfill our call, one, we need to get ready to do what we're asked to do. So, group question again. What do you do to get yourself ready? Get in the presence of the Lord. Get into his word. Get in the Bible, yeah. Uh, it's all of that. It's all of that. To get close to God and to read his word, to pray, to listen to what God is speaking to you. Learn to recognize his voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's not maybe going to be an audible voice speaking. It might just be a nudge that you feel within your spirit. It might be something you just kind of feel inside, you know and you know her. But the only way that's going to happen is if we're spending time positioning ourselves to get ready to hear the word of the Lord. 
Tell God, Lord, I want to be ready. I want to do what you have called me to do. And then the second thing, after get ready, be bold and strong in the Lord. Know that your strength isn't in the things of man. It must be in God. To know what you're called to do, that will help you to be strong in the Lord. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I think I'll do this because this seems like a good idea. But then how do you handle a rough time? If you're doing what you know you were meant to do, what God has called you to do, then when tough times come, you can get through them because you know that God's going to give you the strength and the enabling to get through whatever that is. For Jeremiah, he knew that God would provide for him and enable him to do it. And it was a call to stand with the Lord, to be his spokesman. Even when it seemed like the whole nation was against him, kings, officials, uh, religious leaders, and people, and the only way he could do it was to have heard from God, to know what the call was, and to know what God's promises were to him. There is a call for all of us beyond what we do in our careers. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's a call for each of us. That's what we're all called to do when we follow Jesus Christ. Thursday evening in our Bible study, this past week, we began 1 Corinthians with chapter 1. And in verse 2, it, it says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people. So when we decide to follow Jesus Christ, we're called to be his holy people too. So that's already two things that you can know that you're called to do besides like anything else. And when we do these things, we know that we can be bold and strong in Jesus Christ. We, we know that that's our calling, our individual call, and that the gifts and the Holy Spirit will help us be able to fulfill that. And thirdly, we need to trust God to protect us. And this is the most wonderful statement to Jeremiah, that no matter who came against us, or came against him, no matter what the circumstances, they might fight him. They might fight you when you follow the Lord. But God says, they'll not overcome Jeremiah, and they'll not overcome you. For I am with you and will rescue you. Jesus repeated this very same thought in John 16. Verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There are sometimes things that are so difficult to get through. Things that come against us. But according to God's word, we can press into our Heavenly Father. And in Jesus' name, we can declare that we are in him. That he has overcome the world. And that Jesus is with us. And he will rescue us. Would you stand as we close? Today, we have a choice to make. Are we going to receive the call of God? upon our lives? Are we going to get ready? Are we going to be strong in the Lord? And are we going to trust God to protect us? Just ask everyone to just bow their heads. 
Just think, um, what has God personally called you to do? And what that is, do you receive it? If you receive the call of God, even if you don't know what it is, if you say, yes, Lord, I receive what you're calling me to do, just raise your hand. Thank you. And then secondly, are you going to be strong in him? Are you going to trust in his power? Are you going to trust God to protect you? And if you're in that spot today that you say, yes, Lord, I want to trust you and follow you. I want to be strong in you. Just raise your hand too. Just make that commitment. Thank you, Lord God, that we can see this evidence in Jeremiah's life of a, a tough time, a time when things were going crazy, when the nation was falling apart. And Lord, you called him to be your spokesman. You called him to be a voice of God in the middle of all of that chaos. And so, Lord, I just pray for us today that we would listen to what you're giving us to do, Lord, that we would be faithful to you, that we would, as we go through tough times, as we go through uh, dark times, Lord, that we would just hang on to your hand. Lord, that we would know that your word says that no matter what comes against you, just like we said in worship, there's triumph in you, Lord God. We triumph over the enemy. We triumph over the lies of the enemy. We triumph over the junk that he would throw our way. And Lord God, we just hang on to you and know that we can trust in your strength in our lives. Lord God, I pray that you would speak clearly to us. This is a time when we really need to hear from you. And so, Father, let us know your voice. Let us learn how you speak to us. And let us be willing to do the things that you call us to do. And we just thank you, Lord, that in, in this time, for such a time as this, we can follow you, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name, in Jesus' name, amen.